Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, we've been in the series Wisdom for Dummies. It's been a study of themes throughout the book of Proverbs. And when you read Proverbs, I always tell people, read a proverb a day, a chapter of Proverbs a day, just whatever day, if it's day one, today's 23, you should be on Proverbs 23. Just read one. Just put it part of your daily life. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit inspiring the book of Proverbs was that we could acquire God's wisdom and apply God's wisdom to every decision you're facing right now and in your daily activities. And if you'll apply and acquire just that, just that right there, I promise you, you are going to be the most blessed person in the whole world and try find true fulfillment. But where does it all start? And this has been our overarching theme. I hope, I hope you all have memorized it. Come on, let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, the fear, why don't we say it out loud together? Come on. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. But, we'll, wait, 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 I'll start all over because I messed up. Aren't you glad that your pastor is human? Let's begin again. Don't judge me. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Come on. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now you can applaud me because I made it through it. Amen. So, no, I'm kidding. Stop it. I'm joking. So this is the whole reason for this, is that if you don't get verse 7, Anything the Word of God gives you will not work in your life. Not just Proverbs, but anything in the Word of God will not work for you if you don't get verse 7. That the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So don't despise His wisdom and don't despise His discipline. Because nothing else works. Because what we discover is that that fear of the Lord, and, you, and if you don't know my definition of the fear of the Lord, you need to go back to the Part one, because it, was, it, it really defines what the fear of the Lord is. Not being scared of him, but the awe, the honor, the wonder, the respect of who he is. If you don't get that part down, the, what we've seen in our nation is as the fear of the Lord has decreased, all the other fears in our nation and around the world have increased as the fear of the Lord decreases. So what does that mean? The more that I have this respect, this honor, this offer God, his word, the more I honor it, all my other fears will be fade and eventually be totally gone. That's why Jesus Christ said that perfect love, that's why the word says perfect love drives out all fear. So the greater my fear of the awe of the Lord, every other fear decreases. And I want to keep springboarding on what I started last week because one of the greatest fears in our nation, the Americans, and this is hard for Christians as well, the greatest fear they have is 65% of people say that their financial difficulties are piling up so much that they don't think they'll ever be able to overcome their financial problems. Think about that. And they're afraid. Fearing will there be provision. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon was the ability, the fear of not being able to have or provision of. So I've got I've to I've I've relent and follow the enemy and the world system because without it, I won't be provided for. That's what the spirit of mammon does, puts fear in you. How many thank God when you have the fear of the Lord in every area of your life 
it decreases and goes away in that other area that you're facing, especially finances. So we've been talking about God's wealth in these last two messages. How does God, what does God say about wealth? And so Proverbs, King Solomon wrote this. So we're going to go back to the two scriptures we are, and then we're going to end this, uh, this part of it uh, today on what God says about your wealth. We talked about your work, and now God talks about your wealth. Proverbs 3, 9, look what he says. Honor the Lord. So that's that fear and that awe, respecting God with what he has to say about it. Honor the Lord with your what, everyone? With your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. Watch the outcome. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over new, new wine. Now, remember what I told you. God didn't say the reason why I want you to honor me in this is just so your barns can be full of food and that you got plenty of wine. God did not put this there so we could have a bunch of fat drunks. That's not what he wants. The reason why he said it is you also got to look through all of those scriptures and Proverbs. The purpose of your work and your wealth, God says there's more than just you being provided for because I'll take care of you. There are so much more greater things you're going to do because look what he says in Proverbs 11, 24, 25. He says, give freely, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. That's why some of the most joyful people, the most refreshed people in the body of Christ, you will find are people that in every arena of their life, and everybody wants to just put it in the issue of their finances, but in every area of their life, they're the ones to first give the worship, they're the first ones to volunteer, they're the first ones to give their thoughts to the Lord at the beginning of the day, the word of God today. They walk refreshed. They bless her. They, free, they, they forgive people quickly. They walk the most joyful in life. Now, God says, this is about what I'm telling you about why I gave you wealth. And so many people say, well, how do I get out of this? And how does God bless me? Well, listen, God gave us the keys to it, folks. Honor him in that. Now, you can use a crowbar or you can use a key. How many would rather use a key than a crowbar to understand what God's trying to say about things? And he made it so simple. So you remember last week, we had to deal with Corinthians. Paul had to deal with the Corinthians. Here they were people that were really in bad sin, and God sets them free. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They got all these speakers. They're speaking in tongues so much. They need direction on how to handle it. They're just going crazy, and they're misusing, they're misusing the Lord's Supper. They've started cliques in the church because those that had did not help those that were broken and poor in the body. And he just told him, he says, all you're doing is filling your belly and some of you are getting drunk. So here we got a bunch of tongue-talking fat drunks. You, you might want to respond a little bit better. Or I think you're under conviction or something. But he's having to talk to him because this has been the challenge, not just with those Corinthians believers, but both every believer, is that once God starts giving you the blessing, it's you start misunderstanding the purpose of your work and the purpose of your wealth. And he says, the true thing of it is that my glory will come through it and there's a greater and higher purpose. So Paul talks to me and those Corinthians, he commends them. And he says, you're doing great, but I want you to know the ministry of giving and so they made this commitment to help the Jerusalem church, the, 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 the Jewish people in the Jerusalem church that were in, in poverty because they were being persecuted. 
because they're, they're converting to Jesus Christ. And so they're poor, but the Corinthians were Gentiles, and now they're being blessed and prospered, but they're forgetting the work of God. Well, they made a commitment to help out the work of God, and then they stopped their commitment of helping the work of God. And so he reminds them, you made a commitment to help these folks. And look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 12. He said, so two things, so he's telling them this is what will happen when you make that, when you fulfill your commitment. He said, two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of the, your ministry, this is the ministry of giving, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove something. It will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It means that you have seen the power of salvation of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. You are only modeling what Jesus has modeled, and it proves you are truly following Jesus and that salvation has truly come to you. So what we can say in this, when it comes to the ministry of giving for every believer, and don't think because you're 13 you check out. Okay? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that giving is an indicator. It's an indicator of our salvation. It's, it's an indication that something has truly been transformed in our life. And I'll tell you, the perfect person. So you say, well, Jesus, now, let me show you where Jesus proved this. Let me show you where he proved this. There's this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Okay, he, he was a Jewish guy, but he was a tax collector. And they were hated by the Jews, the tax collectors, because they were hired by the Roman government, who was very oppressive and very intimidating uh, to the Jewish people. And they put this high tax on them, and then they would hire Jewish people to go collect the tax. And then those Jewish people who became tax collectors would put even more fees on it and then rip off their own people and not just take what Rome had, but for themselves. And they became very, very wealthy. So Zacchaeus, tax collector, wealthy, but very hated. Okay. Well, there he is. He sees Jesus, knows Jesus coming. He's up in that tree and he's trying to see Jesus. You know the story. He was a guy, just a small stature. So he's trying to get up above it. And Jesus sees him. Jesus goes up and says, I'm going to your house, Zacchaeus. And everybody wigged out. All the teachers of the law wigged out. They said, this guy's a heathen. I mean, he's with a sinner, for crying out loud. But that's who Jesus goes to, right? And then look at verse 9. Look what happens to, look what happens to Zacchaeus. Wealthy dude. Wealthy dude. But look what happens. Something happens in Zacchaeus' heart. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, before Jesus, and said, watch this. I will give half my wealth to the poor, the Lord, and uh, I will have to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, let me explain what's happening here. Under Mosaic law, what happened if a person admitted to a crime, if they admitted to it, they had to restore what they took, plus they had to add another 20% on top of it. If they got busted and didn't admit it, they had to give, they had to give double what was taken. I mean, it was out of sight. And here's what Zacchaeus does. He's admitting this. And what he does is he just says, Lord, I don't even have to bring it out here. I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give half of every, look, he says, if I, I give half of what I own, look at this, half of it, and I'll give back four times as much. Look at Jesus Christ's response to Zacchaeus. Verse 9, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home. It was right after he did it. 
He said, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let me just make very clear. Zacchaeus did not purchase his salvation. <laughs> this is not guilt offering. What had happened to him is he was so transformed by the gospel, so transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, that he didn't even negotiate. He went to the maximum and said, it doesn't make any difference, God, because all of it belongs to him now. I am selling out my life totally and completely. The transformation of faith in Jesus is what reflected in his generosity that he said, it's just not the tenth. I just don't have to do give it back in 20%. Lord, it is all yours. I'll give half of what I own and I'll give back four times and I will bless because that's what you've done to me. That is proof that the gospel has hit this guy. Are y'all seeing this? Because then you don't negotiate. Well, did we get our 10% in so we get our tax deduction? He's not bean counting. He has discovered it is all his. Why? Because something transformational has happened in his heart. So that's what it is. It's really a love issue. It's really what's happening in my heart. Not am I bean counting to make sure I meet the 10% threshold of tithing and I get my tax deduction. Something has happened to me. So that means for Sam Reifkogel, for Brenda Reifkogel, for you, how I prioritize my, prioritize my money is a test and an indicator of what's happening in my heart through the transformational power of Jesus Christ. And that's where you see this principle where Jesus even says in Matthew 6, 21, he says, this is your heart. He says, for where your treasure is, there's where your heart is also. So what is testing Sam Reifkogel and you and me? Does Christ have lordship of every area of my life? And Zach is saying he has everything, even the part that I was so hard to release to him. He has lordship. And I love what Deuteronomy, I love what Deuteronomy 14.23 says. I like it out of the Living Bible just for a little better clarity. But it, it says this. He says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to do what? To put God first in your life. The principle of giving that first tenth, that first fruits. That's that first fruits that Proverbs is talking about. This is why worship of giving is so important. You say, now pastor... Why, why do you teach us? I'll tell you the reason why. I want to base everything that we teach off of the word of God because the ministry of giving, even that principle of the 10%, the first fruits of everything that Pastor Brent and I possess, that is a principle in the word of God. So I want to honor God, even what he says to me on how to handle my work and how to handle my wealth. So the principle of the worship of, worship of the giving of tithe is repeated over and over through the word of God. Let me just show you the path of it, okay? You see it appearing first in the scripture with Abram, before he became Abraham, Abram. And he's the one that commenced it. He started all of it. And you can find it in Genesis 14, 18. And it's also recorded in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter seven. It was right after, you know the story where four kings attacked Sodom and Gomorrah where his nephew Lot was. They pillaged the town, took everything. They took his nephew Lot and his family. And Abram says, let's get, a, let's get an army together. Let's get a group. Let's get people together. And let's go. And they conquered these four, these four kings. And all the plunder came to him and to his warriors. 
And look what happens. The Bible says the moment, watch this, the moment he gets all this gain and all this extra. Watch what happens. Hebrews 7, 1, 2 says this Melchizedek, he came before a guy by the name of King Melchizedek. And he's a picture of Jesus here because he served as a king and a priest. And that's very uncommon. So it was a a picture of Jesus. So this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. A priest of God Most High. Watch this. When Abram had returned home, returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it till Melchizedek. Abraham was already tithing or giving a tenth of what he had gained from the Lord. He'd already given 10% before the law was even given. People would say, that's all law, that's all. There wasn't a law yet. It was a reflection of the relationship that God is the one who owns it all. That's what it is. It's simply lordship. That's what it is. It's about relationship with God. Then you see that his Isaac was a giver. And then you see that Jacob was the one that continued this principle. You remember the story in Genesis 28? He, he's running from his family, fleeing, and, and he's running from his brother. And then all of a sudden he, has, he goes to sleep at night and he sees a ladder coming down from earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending. And the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord says, now listen here, Jacob. I know you're, you're kind of running, trying to figure out what your life's going to happen. I know you're afraid. But he said, here's the deal. Your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. Not the sand. Like dust around the earth they're going to, is going to be your descendants. And he says, I'm going to take care of you in your journey. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to take care of you. Your people will be great. And in that moment, he didn't have it all yet. He said, I'm going to establish this place. And he called it Bethel, where he saw the Lord, the house of God. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. A tenth. Look what he said. Genesis 28, 22. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Again, there is no law here. None. It is simply him saying, he is the Lord, and if God takes care of me, and he provides for me, and he protects me, and he lets my descendants flourish, everything goes to him. It's all his. I will give a tenth back to him to show he is Lord of all. Then you see Moses is the one, Moses was the one God used to command it. Leviticus 27.30. Thus all the tithe of the land, the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now remember when he's telling this? They don't have land yet. They don't even have fruit yet. Do you know where they are? They're on a hot desert. They're wandering. He said, this is coming to you. And before it comes to you, let me tell you how to treat it. People say, when my ship comes in, pastor, I'm going to be, I'm going to give to the work of God, the ministry of giving. When my ship comes in, every time your ship comes in, you're at the airport. It never hits you right. This is already there. This is already there. That principle is already there in the word of God. So people say it's law, law, law. No, no, it was before the law because it's about the reflection of my relationship with who is the Lord of everything I have. Far before the law. Well, then Malachi confirmed what, what, what was taught. Malachi 3.10, we already read it in that text. I already, uh, that's already prior. It was already there. So it's, it's already there. Malachi 3.10. It's, and so we'll, uh, you saw it in, earlier in the, in the text. And then Jesus commended it. Watch this. Luke eleven forty two. 42. 
Jesus commended it. He says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes. You should tithe, yes, Jesus is saying this. But do not neglect the more important things. He said, this is a reflection of your heart. He said, Jesus commended them for doing that. So here's the point, friends. If Abraham uh, commenced it, and Jacob continued it, and Moses commanded it, and Malachi confirmed it, and Jesus commended it, who are we to cancel out what has already been there that simply shows the reflection of a person's heart that he's Lord of everything? I'm you still with me, amen? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you read Malachi, when he talks about bringing all the tithe to the house, when, when, when he tells him to bring that, let me tell you what's happening. In Malachi, Israel has stopped doing the word of God. Let me just put it another way. They have stopped fearing the Lord. <laughs> They've stopped fearing. They have no regard for what he says. They compartmentalize God where they want him. They only use him where they want him. But in this area, something is reflecting in the physical realm that's happening in the spiritual realm. Because Israel stopped doing God's word. And now the blessings of God have lifted, lifted off Israel. And in Malachi 3, remember, it's about, this is about 400 years before Jesus appears, comes on the scene. And the nation of Israel is reorganizing after they've been in exile for 70 years. Now notice the time it's happening. At that time, the nation only consisted of, uh, it only consisted of nothing more than uh, a few, uh, uh, the city of Jerusalem and a few miles out. That's all that was there at the time. And the land was real rocky. It was unproductive, a lot of stone there. And on top of that, let me tell you what else was happening. On top of that, the the general condition of them was spiritual apathy. The priests were lazy. They weren't listening to God. There was no, they weren't hearing from God. They were lazy. And the morality among God's people had just diminished in every respect. And into that dismal spiritual condition comes this prophet Malachi. And the people are asking, why has God allowed us to hard on such hard times like this? Why? And Malachi answers him. You ready for it? Before this, Malachi 3, 7. Look what he says. Ever since the day of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. God's speaking to them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Do you see how spiritually deceived when someone says, I'm okay with God, and God says, you're not okay you're drifting. And he, said, he started showing them where everything was falling apart in their life. And then God says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me in the tithes and offering due me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. He's not telling them you can buy the blessing He is simply saying this physical manifestation of how you treat work and wealth is a direct picture of how your spiritual condition and relationship is with me right now. This is only manifesting what is truly in your heart against me. Because friends, I'm going to tell you something. He says, and you're not blessed with what you have. What you have is not blessed. It's cursed. It just goes away. Even in one one prophet, he would say, it's like you got holes in your pocket. You put money in and you can never save it. It's just going out like like there's a hole in your pocket. And what he's telling you is that the cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of your disobedience of not honoring the Lord. Now, I don't know about the rest of you. People say, well, that only leaves me 90%. I'd rather live under 90% blessed 
than 100% cursed, I promise you. I'd rather live under that. It's about your work and how you handle these things. About, am I going to honor God in every respect? Now think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve were given the perfect place with all the provision they ever needed, right? Total provision. God only gave them one instruction. He said, see this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He says, don't, don't eat of that tree because the day you do it, you will surely die. You remember that? Satan showed them, look at all he's, look what he's holding back from you. And they had the whole place. God says, this one proves you're going to honor me. And then he tells them, work this garden and take care of it. When you look at that work it and take care of it, literally means steward what I've told you and steward what I've given you. The garden is your workplace that displays my glory. It's going to keep producing fruit and blessing in your life. Steward this. They did not steward what God said and what God had given. The moment they didn't honor God in stewardship, let me tell you what happened. They lost their home. The marriage difficulties began. And the dysfunction among their children got so intense that one son killed another son. And it was directly after they refused to steward what God had blessed them with. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. My point is this. It's a principle in the word of God and God's not trying to take something from us. How many know he is trying to get something to us? Honor the Lord. And the greater your fear of the Lord is in this to honor his word, the less fear you'll have about the financial condition that's happening around you and even what you're in right now. Honor the Lord. Amen? All right, here's my last point. He says, not only is this, not only is this the principle of God's word, but when you honor the Lord with your ministry of giving, even in the tithe, even learn to go past that, guess what happens? He says, you perpetuate God's work. You perpetuate the glory of God to people who need it. That's why Malachi 3.10 says this. He says, now, he tells him, you've robbed God, now here's what he tells him. Malachi tells him, bring all the tithes into what, everybody? The storehouse. So there will be, so there will be enough food in my temple. This is Old Testament. I get it. It's Old Testament. Watch this. But what God does with the ministry of giving, especially as it relates to the principle of his word, even before the law, and even Jesus commended it and said he continued it. What he is saying here is, I'm going to show you what you do with that portion. And he's very clear. He shows you what to bring and where to bring it. <laughs> I thank God the word's really clear. What to bring and where to bring it. He says, bring all the tithe to the house of the Lord. All of it. Just bring it. Bring all of it. He's really clear. I didn't write it. It's what he said. It's what I live by. And I have showed, I've proved something. You know, when I started becoming a tither and just learning how to do that principle, it started curing my greed. Now, I did have giver's remorse the first time I did it. How many of the rest of you will be honest? You had giver's remorse when you started. I did. How am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? And I watched it. I just didn't make it. He kept empowering me more and more to do greater things that I never dreamed I could ever do. I, didn't, I never dreamed I could do that. And then he told me where to bring it. He didn't tell me that it belongs to my uncle's cousins twice removed to help them go to Mamba Wamba to go for a weekend 
That's, he said, no, he says, bring, that's all good and noble. But he says, where you bring it is the church. Because that's where, you, what's the church? It's the place where you are spiritually fed and that you are growing spiritually. That's what that is. So the new, listen, the New Testament church is the counterpart to the Old Testament temple. And he said, that's where, that's where you bring it. That's why Paul tells him, 1 Corinthians, he's telling these Corinthians, he says, y'all need to get it right. You need to get your relationship right. And it, it, something's happening. It's reflecting in the way you're not even helping people out anymore in the ministry of giving. Look what he said in verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day, he says, here's what you do. Each week of each week, first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Isn't that interesting? See, there are some people that think that you can give their tithe anywhere they want to give it. But God tells you, this is what it is, and this is where you give it. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong with supporting great organizations and blessing your uncle's cousin twice removed that's going to Mamba Wamba for the weekend. In fact, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to help them. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to Brenda and me beyond the tithe. I mean, I just, I love it. We just, we're always looking. Okay, did we outpace ourselves from last year in giving? Did we outpace ourselves? Do we outpace ourselves? Where I was at, have we outpaced ourselves? I want to always keep outpacing myself. It's kind of, no, it is fun. I never dreamed I'd get to that place, but it's, it's just like you're going, you, do y'all get geeked when you look at it and just, I mean, I just get flat excited. I really do. And why did he say do that? so that there will be food in God's house. Now, what does food speak of? Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you have teenagers in your house, especially boys? How many know there better be food in that house? Why? Because they've got to grow. So what he's saying is, is that food is essential to people's growth that are in that house. Can I tell you, friends, when you bring the tithe to the Lord as an act of worship, can I tell you what happens? It puts food in this house so that we can keep doing what we're doing here and around the world. That's what it does. See, the problem is sometimes is we love the romance of giving. I watch y'all and I get the same way because I, I love, because sometimes I emotionally give and, and, and so I get excited about a real need out there. You know, we brought, uh, we brought Go Serve and we've had projects come and man, man, people just give and give because there's, I call it the romance of giving. Because you get, it's romantic. I get, I, get, I, get, I get to buy water for kids. And man, is there something about you in it? But no one wants to do maintenance missions giving. Where you maintain. They want to stay in the romance part. Okay, let, let me put it to you another way. See this beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous woman that I married and have been married to now. 33 years. She said, it's time to go home. No, 33 years. I've been married to this girl. Now, I'm going to tell you that it wasn't easy getting her. I had to romance her. And I enjoyed the romance because I wanted this lady to be my wife for the rest of my life. I did. I tell you what, I was buying the best cologne. I had breath mints in my mouth. I took her to the nicest places. She said, I like this guy. I bought her wonderful gifts because I was romancing her 
But once I married her, it's been 33 years now. Okay? Well, hold steady, motor scooter. What I have discovered is that it's not just romancing. It's I got to take care of the maintenance. And the maintenance is not as romantic. It's expensive. And whenever the converse starts, conversation starts with Sam, I've been thinking about I hold my wallet. But this lady knows if I have the power to bless her, I bless her. If we have the power to bless, I bless the Lord first and I bless her. Okay? Sometimes in the body of Christ, when it comes to asphalt and parking lots, keeping paint on the building, keeping things swept and clean, nobody likes the maintenance because it's not romantic. But I'm going to tell you, I will take care of the maintenance because it's the greatest possession God has ever given me. And the reason why I continue systematically blessing the church, even when things don't look romantic, is because the body of Christ and the bride and the church is the greatest gift that he's ever given all of us, is the family of God, and to use it to reach other people together collectively. Come on, can somebody say amen? You never dream what God will do. How many, how, how many remember last week? Okay, just let me stop for a second. How many remember last week when I just told y'all about that we were going to go into prisons? How many remember last week? Okay, and I told you we're going to start in July. Well, we started Tuesday afternoon. We started. So immediately, uh, some of the preaching content and our worship two songs, it was uh, Waymaker and uh, Raise a Hallelujah, uh, Pastor Drew and Sarah saying. So that was, we put, they wanted worship real bad. So we immediately went on, Gary Mappa's first content went on immediately. That was Tuesday. Well, this is Sunday morning. Total views among inmates. Watch it, not just go, like you do flying through stuff. No, this is, they're watching the whole thing. We had 42,645 views just from there. Okay? That's just, that's just them. They're watching the whole thing. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> Here's another deal. Watch this. This is crazy. This is crazy. They had to subscribe to it. 3,793 inmates have already subscribed to stay on the content all the time. And out of those inmates, 16 of them for the very first time said, Jesus Christ, I accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's just from Tuesday till this morning. <laughs> now we ought to praise God because heaven gets excited when one comes to Jesus, everybody. Woo! That's all right. You can have a seat for a second. We're going to keep on doing it. I pray that God keeps blessing this church. We all keep being faithful. We'll keep adding more. We'll keep adding more and more and more and more. It takes about $18,000 for us to get 10,000 more iPads, tablets in there so more men can get onto it. Just keep doing it. 
I watched this week. I'm tell you, can I just tell you a blessing I saw this week? I just got to tell you this blessing. I know he's in this room and I won't say his name and I don't want to embarrass him. But I watched this church and so many of you go get food to help out us net, network with the family network of Wyoming. Pastor Ray Sheen, I know you're in here. She's the director over there. She, she's probably sitting in here somewhere. We thought we'd take a truckload. We've, I don't know how many trucks we already sent now, Brenda, truckload. Three truckloads. We got one more this, this Wednesday, right? This Wednesday, one more. So you get one more shot at doing it. Family Network of Wyoming, diapers and that infamil gold, whatever this, or Alpha, for Alpha Ministry, helping young parents. and Just amazing. And I watched y'all go crazy, but I'm gonna tell you one that blessed me. I watched one little kid, he walked up, to, I, I don't know, he's probably maybe five years old, he's bringing stuff up. But I watched one young man, one of our young adults, he's working hard to even pay for his own college. And he pulled up with his mom to this church and we opened the back and there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of food. And then I discovered, here's this kid and you can see he just got off work, dirt all over him, trying to pay his own college bill. Paying his own college bill. Not trying, he's paying his own college bill. And he paid for all of that food, took it out of his savings. He's got school to take care of and everything else. And I watched that young man unload that car. And he didn't tell me this because mamas and daddies will always rat out when their kid's doing something good. You better. And mama whispered in her ear, something the Lord told him to do. I'm gonna tell you something, friends. Everybody can pick on this generation, think it's going down the toilet, but I'm telling you, God has raised up a generation of young men and women's place that are passionately in love with Jesus. They're gonna be the most generous, transforming people you've ever met in your life. It blessed me. And I wanna to say to that young man, I wanna to say to all of you, when you take care of God's work, he will take care of all of your worries. Your fear over your money will go away the moment you start believing and honoring him and say, God, I believe what you said, that you are Jehovah Jireh, you are the source, and I prove it by the act of the ministry of faithfully giving to you. Prove it, prove it. And that's why Paul would look at the Philippians, and he says, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. From his glorious riches, so you say, yeah, but the stock market. Well, the stock market isn't Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, but my 401k, it is not your source. From his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now that we quote in churches all the time, but that promise is not for everybody. That promise was not written for anybody who just quotes it, says, God, your word says. This promise was conditional because what he had talked about are the Macedonians who were part of these Philippian churches. The Macedonians and the people in the Philippian churches were under so much persecution and poverty, but the ministry of giving had hit them. And you remember last week we talked about it. He said, 
they're not only giving, they're giving beyond their ability. Something supernatural was happening to those poverty-stricken Christians, but they said, well, we can give something else. And he said, and they're begging me to do more. And I know that they have very little. And they're begging me to do more. That was given to them because the reason they did it is because they're going, we know who our source is. So, so whatever he says, we're doing. And that's why that New Testament church, those believers that were passionate, they were promiscuous. I said it last week. They were promiscuous with their money, but stingy with their bodies. They said, God, whatever you want. Here they were, political and economic struggle. And God says, I'll pour out the blessing on you. Church family, how many know we will never do wrong by fearing the Lord in every area of our life, even as it concerns the work we do and the wealth he's given us. How many believe he is going to bless his people who become a distribution center of who he is and what he's given them?